Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Now, I have wanted for a while now to have a series on marriage, and that may have to wait for a little bit. This may just be a one-off. I also wish that I had my husband on here for this episode. Um, I will try and do that at some point, just so he can verify everything that I'm saying. Uh, But what I really want to do today is just talk about how do we cultivate a healthy marriage. And I'll be the first to say I'm definitely not an expert on marriage, though I have been married now for 14 years. So I feel like that does give me something. Um, I also will say, uh, I think we have a thriving marriage. I think we have a a really good marriage. And um, it didn't always used to be that way. So I will say that I have some really solid um, lessons and some things I've learned along the way. And that is sort of what I'm hoping to share with you today. Um, And as always, I always want to point you to Jesus. Um, This episode, um, I think is going to have quite a bit of practical tips in it. And um, I mean, I hope for you, I hope that COVID has been a time where you felt like, yes, I am closer to my spouse. We're actually connecting every night, especially if Um, Maybe one of you has worked evenings in the past or other things like that, but now you're home. That's my hope for you. But I am guessing that for some of you, there maybe have been some hard moments and maybe the stress of having to change up everything in your lives, Um, your work, finances have been stretched, um, and just the pressure of the season we've been in in general maybe hasn't um, brought out the best in you or has brought a few things to the surface. And I just want to say that is totally normal. So it's normal that a stressful season um, will sometimes cause you to say or do things that maybe you wouldn't have done in a regular season. Um, And as well, it's super normal that in a stressful season, some things are going to come to the surface. And so Maybe they're things you would rather ignore, or maybe they're things you've been ignoring um, or not aware of for years. And this is a season where you're actually coming face to face with them. And so I just want to say, A, there's no judgment for you here. Uh, Every couple has things they need to work on and to work through. And marriage is hard. But when we can begin to face the things that are hard in our marriage, we actually can begin to grow stronger marriages. So if right in this moment you feel like your marriage is on the brink, um, I just want to say don't give up. I'm not offering you a quick fix here, but I'm hoping to offer you a little bit of hope. Um, I also want to say there's a ton of wisdom in seeking out a third party in the way of counseling, 
I know there are many incredible counselors who are meeting with people right now over Zoom. And sometimes we just need a third party. We need an outside um, look in at the areas um, in our lives where sometimes we're just a little bit too close to um, too close to the area or maybe our vision is a little bit clouded from being hurt or being in pain to really see clearly. So I also want to say if you're listening and you're single or you're in a really amazing place in your marriage, keep listening. Uh, I hope there is something in here for you when it comes just to healthy relationships in general. So let's dive in. Now, first off, the number one most important thing I can say to you is your spouse is not your enemy. Yes, sometimes it can feel like they are your enemy, but they aren't. And I want you to imagine for a moment that instead of seeing your spouse and the various things that are making you so frustrated with them, imagine they're just standing right, your spouse is standing right beside you and you guys are looking at the problem together. It's so much easier to tackle a problem when we are looking at the problem side by side. We are taking the problem on together instead of looking at the other person as the problem. So first question, is the problem actually the problem? Whenever Brendan and I have had a major reaction to something, like a big overly emotional response, like maybe one of us got way angrier about something or one of us... Um, probably me, got more teary or emotional about something, sometimes we have to pause and say, what are we actually upset about? Is it the thing we're currently talking about? Or is there a a bigger issue? Is there a root issue that maybe hasn't been really dealt with? And that's the thing we're upset about. Often I found that's the case. So let's just say I'm upset at Brendan because I I didn't realize he had an evening meeting and he's letting me know he's flying out the door or in this case into the basement for a Zoom call. And let's say I'm really upset that he didn't tell me. So we could have an entire argument about me saying like, why didn't you let me know earlier about this meeting? But that really isn't the issue. The issue might be that I feel like he's had too many evenings out and we're really needing a family night in. That is the issue. So I hope that that helps. Um, sometimes we sometimes we get stuck on a surface issue and we start fighting and almost going like around the bend around again and again about these surface issues when really it's just the root issue we need to deal with. And again, going back to what I said earlier about the problem, taking this example, if rather than me seeing Brendan as the problem for not um, telling me he's going out or not um, or going out too many nights in a row, we could then look at the problem together and say, hey, how can we tackle this um, idea that maybe the way your um, current work schedule is set up, it isn't working well for our family that you're going out so many times. So how do we tackle that together? I hope that makes sense, right? There's a little bit of a shift that can happen. And and I'll talk about this in a bit, but it actually helps when helps us resolve the actual issue when we're not attacking our spouse. Um, because usually, I mean, at our core, our spouse probably isn't actually trying to um, disappoint us or make us angry or any of those things, but we just get in these conflicts because we're humans and um, 
we are all in need of working on our communication skills. So um, today my kids were playing and one of my girls just started whining about the other sister. And I just overheard her kind of like complaining, whining about something that was going on in their play. And I stopped her and I said, hey, why don't you very clearly tell your sister how you would like to play? Like very clearly tell your sister what you want instead of just kind of standing here whining. And I was thinking this often actually happens to us in marriage or in other relationships. We can kind of just be whining about the marriage or the an issue instead of really clearly stating the thing that we want. And so let's just talk for a second about how we can do that well. Now, first off, especially in this COVID season, as you have been um, living, now hopefully you're always living with your spouse, but you've been really living life together in a different way. Um, there's a solid chance that there are things that are bugging you about your spouse. Because it's often these like little things, right? Let's maybe something to do with the bathroom sink and the way they have left toothpaste on the side of the sink or um, something about the way they've left their clothes on the floor in the bedroom or um, something in the kitchen, right? Like it's these little things. Um, For years, I know it drove me crazy that Brendan would um, put his peanut butter on his toast in the morning and he would just leave this knife in the sink full of peanut butter and it drove me crazy. And um, I actually would respond kind of like my daughter. I'd kind of just whine and get frustrated about it instead of really clearly talking to him about it. And it was when I really clearly explained to him why this issue of this knife covered in peanut butter sitting at the bottom of our sink bothered me so much um, in a way that wasn't attacking him um, in an ideal moment that was when things were actually able to be changed. So um, here's what I mean. Let's unpack that for a moment. So I found an ideal moment. And an ideal moment is not necessarily when the situation is occurring. So as he's scraping his, um, or spreading his peanut butter on his toast, it's probably not the moment for me to tell him. As he's dropping his knife in the sink, also not the moment. But And probably in that moment during breakfast, we're rushing to go somewhere to get to work to do something that that's already kind of a stressful moment. That's not the ideal time to say, hey, that thing you're doing, that's driving me crazy. But later on, so maybe it's a date night or maybe um, the kids have gone to bed or there's just a time where I can say, hey, I know this is going to sound a little crazy or a little bit silly or much or whatever. But um, this particular thing is it's kind of bothering me and here's why, right? And so I'm able to explain it in a way that isn't attacking. So we have to be very careful as we're bringing up things that we're not using attacking language because anytime we use attacking language, it puts the other person in the defense and usually the conversation doesn't really go well from there. So you need to really develop a skill and an art in um, finding an ideal moment And then also being able to express yourself in a way um, that doesn't come across attacking. So I hope that's helpful to you. Um, So sometimes I'll even just say, hey, I'd love to like chat with you about something later. Or is this a good time? Um, 
right again it could be if they're about to sit down and watch some sports game or whatever like that may not be a good time so this is sort of the unspoken rule we have and it goes both ways and sometimes we break it right sometimes somebody will say something to us in that moment and we just gently remind each other hey another time might be a better a better it'll just be more readily received and then probably there's actually going to be a greater chance that a change happens which is actually what we want right we actually want change and I do remember at some point saying to Brendan like I don't want to be fighting about the peanut butter knife 20 years from now like let's deal with this thing and we both have things going back and forth right it's not just I mean I'm bringing up this one example and I will have you know I'm bringing up an old example. I have not seen a peanut butter knife in years. So um, keeping on the subject of practical issues, very practically, do you know or have you defined who does what in your house? So when we first got married, we found that whoever did the first thing or did the thing first, it became their job, right? So the person who read the instruction manual on the coffee maker. They were the person who made the coffee. They were like the expert. You're the first person to vacuum. You became the vacuumer. And that was kind of how we fell into these roles right at the beginning. And that did not go over super well. We moved on from that to just sort of nag each other to do things. Uh, Well, I probably did more of the nagging. But then we got into these little arguments of who was doing what and who did more than the other person. And it really just wasn't good. It was when we sat down and just sort of discussed who was taking ownership for certain areas that it became really helpful. Now, I will say there are a lot of things we do that we share responsibility for, uh, but there's certain things we own. So one example is that Brendan is responsible for taking the garbage to the curb the night before garbage day. And what used to happen is that I used to remind him. I would say things like, did you take the garbage out yet? Or don't don't forget to take the garbage out. And in my mind, I was being incredibly helpful by reminding him. And in his mind, I was nagging. I know, it's so crazy that he would think that. Um, And this took us a while to figure out. But um, what had to happen is that I had to let him have complete ownership for it. And that actually meant letting him fail. Now, to be fair, this was his idea. And I hated the thought of him failing because we only have a garbage day every two weeks. So if we missed our day, then we were really hooped in terms of garbage. But he said, when I remind him, it's almost as if he works for me and he has to muster up the energy to like do his work for me. But when he has ownership of it, he feels good when he does it. He has this internal motivation. So it's his job, his ownership. If he fails and he actually feels that responsibility. And then if he fails, he learns from it and he'll, he says internally, I'll never let that happen again. And so we had that conversation years ago And it took me a while to be able to really let go, to not ask him about the garbage, to not nag him about it. Um, But this was years ago, and I I haven't had to ask him to take out the garbage or remind him about garbage day um, ever since. 
but I really had to learn to trust him. And I think this is something um, that we need to look at, especially I, I think probably the majority of the people listening here are women. And if you feel like you are having to constantly um, remind your spouse about things or ask your spouse, just think about it for a second. Are they feeling nagged by you? And if you would like to not have to nag your husband anymore, I would just say try this. Try something like this where um, A, you've clearly defined who is doing what, like who is responsible for what in running your household. There's nothing wrong with having clearly defined roles. And they don't have to be, um, you know, specifically like these um, antiquated gender roles of he takes out the garbage and I do the cooking. That is what we do mostly in our house. Um, It also doesn't mean that I can't occasionally take out the garbage. I will. And he'll occasionally do the cooking. But we have these roles we take responsibility for them and then we don't have to ask the other person if they're doing them. I don't know if that makes um, sense, but it actually helps things flow. And when things can flow well in your house, you're actually going to eliminate some of the stress, the nagging, the fighting, like just some of those little things. So um, learning how to know what roles we have, take ownership for those things, um, and then just letting the person fail in that area, take that ownership is really helpful. Um, and just taking a step back and saying, like, what are some of those practical things that we do keep fighting about? Are there things that you keep fighting about? Are there things regarding finances? And um, have you sat down and had a really good look at where finances are at? Um, if there's just certain things that kind of keep coming up again and again, it's good to sit down and say, hey, we keep fighting about these things. Maybe we need to look at them in a different way or really look at them. If we haven't really sat down and really looked at some areas in our marriage, maybe we have to really do that. Um, I've often said that my marriage is strong because we fight well. And for some of us, we just hate conflict, so we avoid it. But when we can learn to face conflict and actually talk things through to the end, we will be more closely connected at the end of that conversation with our spouse. So rather than just avoiding the conversations, it's being committed to those conversations and saying, hey, these are going to be hard conversations. Fighting and like conflict conversations are not fun. Nobody wants to do them. However, when we can go through them well and wisely, um, we actually will be closer to our spouse we'll have a greater understanding and probably the thing that we've really talked about, we, it doesn't mean we won't talk about that thing ever again, but we'll probably have come to a place of resolving it quite a bit more. Uh, There is a book that um, I know my husband read years ago. I haven't actually read it, but we've chatted about it lots um, called Crucial Conversations. And just this idea of like, how do I actually face um, the hard things? How do I actually lean into these difficult conversations to be able to resolve them. And then you can actually walk so much freer through that conversation. Um, Now, if your conversations haven't gone well, so if you've tried having conversations, I want you to think for a second, is one of you sabotaging them partway through? For example, are you giving him the silent treatment? Or is one of you storming off? Some of us um, do have incredibly childish behavior when it comes to conflict. And 
to be honest, we just have to be able to move past those behaviors. There are, um, there's wisdom in taking a moment to breathe, maybe go for a walk around the block. If you need to calm down, there's wisdom in calming down before you actually engage in a um, crucial conversation or a, um, a conflict conversation. Um, but we do need to then re-engage with our spouse, not from a posture of attacking, but really from one of understanding. Um, I know there have been times in the past where I have been like livid upset and I've thought like, I don't want to talk to this person at all. But then I have this, I call it like muscle memory. I have this memory of um, what it feels like to be angry at my spouse and to feel like somehow my silent treatment or my whatever is going to punish him, which isn't really that effective. Um, and I, I know the feeling I have of that where I'm like, I can't really sleep. I, I thought maybe I was going to win this conversation somehow by doing this and, and it doesn't really work. And so when I have the mu- muscle memory that goes, hey, if I can get over my emotion that I'm feeling right now in the sense of um, I'm hurt or I'm trying to win or whatever it is. And if I can just move past that and say, what I actually want is to resolve this. Like I want to resolve this well. Then that's where I can take a deep breath and I can re-engage with my spouse and say, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm sorry for my part in it. Even if it feels like they are 99% in the wrong, if I can actually start the conversation with a sincere apology, not one where I've apologized and then go to explain myself. Because when you do that, you end up kind of taking back the apology. Like if you apologize and then say, here's why I did it, um, then you are, you're kind of taking, taking it back. So just apologize and just be sincere. And that's really hard, right? It's really hard when we don't feel like it. But when we can really apologize, it actually brings their defenses down And we're much more likely to be able to play out that entire conversation and have a really good um, conversation. Now, I don't want to keep this very long, so I'm actually just going to rapid fire um, a bunch of helpful tips that I have found in marriage. And so um, the first one, apologize sincerely. I just talked about that. The second one, um, don't hold grudges when you're having these conversations. Don't bring up the past. Don't keep score. I know that's something I did for years, which I don't have time to talk about all of that, but, um, and don't withhold from the person, right? Don't play games. So these are all childish behaviors that don't help us move forward in a mature relationship. Um, And when we're in that place, especially when we're keeping score, bringing up the past, we end up in this place of what I, I call take, take instead of give, give. So sometimes it feels like it's like, um... I need to go out with my friends tonight. And so you went out with your friends last night and it's kind of that I'm going to take this and you're going to take that. And, oh, you're going to be out for this. Well, I'm going to, right. It ends up becoming this take, take instead of from a place of give, give, which is, hey, what do you need in your life right now? Do you need to go hang out with some friends tomorrow night? I think that'd be great for you. Um, And that when we actually give our spouse that thing that they need, often they're, they're filled up in a way they're able to give us what we need. And so it becomes this, this, transition place where it's like, oh, now we're actually operating from give, give. I'm able to give that person what they need. They're able to give me what I need instead of the take, take. I hope that makes sense. Um, Next one, don't try to win an argument. 
if you win, then really you've both lost, right? If, um, if our whole aim is to be right and win the argument, we've really lost the whole point, right? Because the point is we're trying to resolve an argument. Um, and the best way to do this is when the other person is speaking to actually listen to them, right? Listen with understanding. Don't sit there and form your response while they're speaking, so sometimes the person speaking and the whole time you're not actually listening, you're just thinking about what you want to say in response. This goes for any relationship. Um, just really try to listen. Okay. So again, if you can drop those, um, the need to be right, and then you kind of start, stop dropping the, or start dropping the attacking language, and then they're going to drop the defensive feeling. Um, don't complain about your spouse. Don't throw them under the, under the bus to your family or your friends. When we complain about them, we're actually cultivating resentment and bitterness in our heart toward them. And this is incredibly damaging to us, to them, and to our relationship. Give each other the space for what the other person needs to thrive. And I was just saying that with the give, give. But um, they might actually need to meet up with friends or go on an adventure um, we need to build them up with our words, the notice and notice the little things they do for us. So, um, find ways to really build them up and to give them what they need. And again, often when we give them what they need, they're able to give us what we need. And lastly, um, I just want to say pray, right? Especially, you know, some of you are probably listening and you're thinking my marriage is in a really hard place and, um, I don't think my spouse would be on board with any of this. And so I just want to say to you, um, I'm sorry that you're in that place. And um, it's not your job to change your spouse. Um, one of the only things that we can do sometimes is to pray, just to pray for our spouse. And I guarantee in that process, as we pray for our spouse, we will actually be changed. Um, but there will be things that change in them. Um, I know we were in a hard season a few years ago uh, where my husband was working a ton and I wasn't doing well. And um, again, I was just bringing all of those things um, to the Lord in prayer. And my husband was on a prayer retreat, ironically, and he'd gone for a jog. And um, he, as he was jogging along the side of the road, there was a tire that had kind of blown off of a truck. And as he was jogging past this shredded tire, um, God just spoke to him and said, this is your family, right? This is where we were at that moment. It was like we were shredded. And in that moment, as God spoke to him, he he was changed. And he came home from that prayer retreat and said, hey, we need to do some things in our family differently. He learned how to work a lot smarter. Um, he learned how to not um, necessarily be at every event or every meeting or everything he had to be at. He also gave me a set time each week so that I just had time not to do errands or appointments, but just time to breathe, to go for walks and connect with God. And, um, you know, it's interesting because that was a huge turning point for me in what I needed in my life to thrive in my life. And so, but it came from this moment where, he heard from God, 
And so I would say if you're in a place where life feels hard and marriage feels hard, um, to lift up your spouse in prayer. And if you're in a place where life is great and feels easy, also lift up your spouse in prayer. Um, I hope this has been helpful for you. Um, I hope that some of these things I've shared, I know some of them are tough. Um, I think one of the changes, I mean, I shared the tire story for my husband, but a huge change in our marriage as well has been um, both of us, my husband and I, both dealing with our own junk, the stuff just going on inside of us. Um, And when we separately have met with the Lord and dealt with the things in our heart, we've given those things over to him. It's God who's transformed each of our hearts. And that's actually been um, one of the main keys to a thriving marriage for us. So I would say um, pray for your spouse and then take the time and sit with the Lord and allow him to be the one to transform your heart. And that will ultimately transform your marriage. I hope this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Thanks for meeting with me today. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, if you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com. This has been an Extend Network production.